Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ. I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at The Canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we continued our series, Thieves of Joy, so looking at the book of 1 John and considering the various things that rob us of joy in Christ. Uh, CCC member Sean Golden brought us the message this week uh, as we looked at the topic of denial. There are certain things that are easy to admit about ourselves, other things not so much. This week, we talked about confronting the darkness of who we are and shining on it the light of the gospel. So let's listen in to Sean as he brings us this week's message. And uh, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. We, we often have many excuses to not come to church each and every week, but this is a holiday weekend, so we got even more excuses, right? But you've made it a priority to gather and worship the Lord together. So I thank you for that, and thank you for the opportunity to be here and to speak God's Word, and I pray that, um, that God speaks as He should, as always, through His Word. I want to start off today uh, by basically stating the obvious, right? Some things are easy to admit, and other things are a lot more difficult to admit, right? So some of the easy things are our talents, our skills, our achievements. We lay those things out for us. Uh, uh, to illustrate that, let's think about a resume, right? In a resume, we'll list all the things that will help us, number one, get the job. But also it's a chance for us to really express who we are to other people. And, and if you use the online help, I went out there and looked at, a, at a, doing a resume online with those widgets that they have out there today. Man, you can make yourself sound like Superman, can't you? Huh? You're sitting there, you're reading along, it throws out these ideas, and you begin to think, I did. I mowed my neighbor's yard there a couple years ago. That one time they went on vacation, so on our resume, lawn mowing service, right? Huh? What about you're visiting someone in the hospital, right? Maybe a grandparent or a friend, and you're there, and it's uncomfortable for them anyway, right? They're in the hospital gown, laying in the bed, and everybody's coming in and out all the time, and they got all these hoses and cords, right? And they get all tangled up every time they move. So you're sitting there, you're trying to make their life a little easier, so you untangle everything, get them all situated. So on your resume, medical assistant. Right? We can write these things out. I mean, heck, I could say I'm a, I'm a singer because I come here each week. We gather together and we sing. But if you're within an earshot of me, you know I'm not a singer. The boy can't carry a tune in a bucket. He can't even play the radio, right? I consider myself to be a prison singer. Now, you know what that is, right? Always behind a few bars and can never find the right key. That's what I am. Yeah. I could say I'm a drywaller, but it's only because I fell through the ceiling. That's right. Both feet dangling right there. I'm telling you, it was, it was a mess. I had to fix that back. But other things are a lot more difficult to admit. Things like our failures, our mistakes, our weaknesses. To illustrate that, let's go to Facebook. <laughs> we only put out the things there that we want everybody to know about, right? We can even put some of our failures on Facebook, but it's the ones that we want them to know about. We never really truly open up and let people know the deep, dark things, don't we? Do you do the same thing with God? 
I'm coming at you right now, right? Right out of the gate. Boom, I'm coming at you. Hang with me, though. It'll get better. But seriously, do we really do the same thing with God when we don't trust Him enough to let Him know exactly who we are, to admit to Him who He already knows we are, amen? We try to hide these things from God. Today, we're going to talk about admitting our failures, admitting our need, our dependence upon God Almighty for that forgiveness. And a part of that is admitting that we are sinners. We're going to do that, as Blake said, through 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, through chapter 2, verse 2. As you're turning there in your Bible or finding it in your phone, let me again recap like what Blake had already said. We're going to, uh, this summer, go through the book of 1 John together. We're going to look at the various things that can rob our joy. We see John, the apostle, the disciple, one of the inner three, the one whom Jesus loved. He's going to say, I love you enough because I know what love is by the Father. I love you enough that I do not want you to fall into these traps. I do not want you to fall into the, the trap of sin and deception that the deceiver can give us. And today we're going to talk about, as I said, denial. Denial. So we're going to read the text together here. And then I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in and see what God has to say. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive, our, deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Lord God, we do bow before you now with humble hearts, knowing that we are far from perfect knowing that we need you, as we have already sung, as we have uh, witnessed through baptism the need for you and dependence for you, Lord God, we just praise your name that you allow us to even know you. And as we approach our text here this morning, we ask and pray that you show yourself. Move with your spirit as only you can for each of us. And Heavenly Father, may you hide me behind your cross so that they only see you and who you are through your words. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in last week, as we look at chapter 1, verse 5, at the first part of verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That, uh, and proclaimed to you. Blake had showed us last week in that um, the, the relationship between Jesus and John. We see, in this part of verse 5, the very first part, we see the humanity of Christ. He takes on human flesh. He comes to this earth. He lives amongst us. He allows 
John to be friends with him. He, to, to know that he can be personally known and to, to have this relationship. We see the incarnate Christ living among us. But then in the second part, John's going to show us the divinity of Christ. It says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This divinity of Christ can be seen through this light and darkness. Light, according to the Old Testament and still even today, is going to represent this truth and this holiness, this perfection, this, this achievement we're trying to grasp a hold of. God is light. He is the source of everything. He is perfect in every way. So this light that is being illustrated is saying God is among us. He is the light that, that exposes the darkness, right? And it goes on to say, and in him is no darkness at all. So this is the divinity part of it. This darkness representing the sin and this lostness in our world. He's saying there is no darkness at all in him. He is perfect in every way. He is not faltered in any way. The divinity is being God taking on human flesh, living among us, being the light in the world, and there is no sin in him. This is good news. This is great news that we're getting ready to, to, uh, uh, to illustrate even further. And let me ask, who's ever been to Mammoth Cave? If, if you've been there, you've, you go down I-65 south toward Nashville. You're going to see an exit for Horse Cave. You're going to go in there and it's a national park. It's the world's largest cave system here in the state of Kentucky. If you take even the most general tour... They're going to take you down a bunch of steps. You're going to wind in and out around, and you're finally going to end up in this hewed-out, like, room-like area in the belly of the cave. You get down in there, and the tour guide, once everybody's in there, he's going to say, now I'm going to turn out the lights, and I'm going to give you the experience of knowing what true darkness, true total darkness is like. There's no way light can get in there because you're so far down in there. So he warns you. He turns off the light, and you can feel it. You can feel the heaviness. And anybody ever feel it? You feel the heaviness, don't you? There's, it, you can feel it crawling. You feel restricted. And then he says, I'm going to turn the lights back on. And within just a sheer second or so, the lights come back on. If you've ever been down there and have experienced that, did you realize that it was only one light bulb that lit that whole area up? Let me go another way. Who's ever worked third shift? It's summertime. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You've got to go to bed because you've got to go to work tonight. You have put black plastic over the windows. You've put covers three or four thick. You've shoved towels underneath the door. You've done everything you could. You're tossing and turning. You look over, and there's one little bitty hole where a staple had fell out, right? You do everything you can to keep the... Folks... It takes such little light to make a difference in a dark world. Have you and are you making a difference with the light of God that is in you in a lost and dying world? This is the light that has come to us. We have the answer to overcome that darkness. Are we going to be a part of that? No matter what you think you have to offer, a little bit goes a long way. Amen? All right, moving on. I'm going to or go through this part of, of the rest of this chapter 
verses 6, 8, and 10. I'm going to chop them up just a little bit because they all kind of go together. But we will, we'll cover all of it. So we've already said Jesus was sinless. There was no sin in him. Sadly, nobody else can say that. Nobody else can say that only Christ was sinless. We see this in verses 6, 8, and 10, where, where John is combating things that are going on. There's Gnosticism, there's a bunch of, bunch of other uh, new religions, new faiths starting to pop up everywhere, and John is attacking them. John is not going to let them things take root. He's going to say, no, this is the truth, this is the only hope, this is the only way in which we can go. So he begins to write this letter combating these things. Sadly... These very same things are happening today. Let's look at them. There are three ways in which we, we can deny or, or reject the sin, that, or admitting that there's sin in our lives. In verse 6, we can see how he says that sin, the people are saying that sin really isn't sin, and we're all really okay. This may be the person that goes to church their whole life, that sits in the pew, that sings the song, they smile the smile, they carry the right Bible, they got the cross around their neck, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ because they actually believe that there's a time that whenever the Lord comes and gets me or comes and gets His church, that because I've done the right things, because I've lived a certain way, because I've, I've Put on that face whenever I needed to. I'm going to be all right and God's going to accept me into heaven. Well, that's a lie from the pits of hell. It takes a relationship. Admitting that you're a sinner and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way in which we can be saved. And what John is saying, that this is not the way in which we can admit that we're sinners. Just saying, going through the motions, we're going to be okay. The next one is verse 8. And this one is the person that will say, I have overcome sin and will no longer sin while I'm living here on this earth. There's a theology out there, and it still exists today of those that say that you can, it's called progressive sanctification, in which you get to a point to where you've, you've arrived. I'm no longer a sinner, and I know how to beat it. I will no longer sin while I'm here on earth. I'm ready to go to heaven. That doesn't work, folks. <laughs> I know a lot of people, and if they're true and honest, that have been Christians for a long time, that have been in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for a long time, they still hit their knees every day in dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. We've got to continue to go. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. Also, in verse 10, to keep moving, there are those that say, I have never sinned. <laughs> There are those that have constructed their own definition of what sin actually is, how to accept that and say, not me, I'm good to go and I will never do that myself. Well, let me just say, what John gives us is a tremendous blessing. At the end of each one of these verses, he tells us what's wrong with these three views. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Did you get that? And do not practice the truth. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not 
in us. Folks, the truth is the only way we can know who God is. The Word of God is the only way in which we can protect ourselves from the things of this world. The only way in which we can be in right relationship with God is to have the truth in us. And it's all about His Scripture, making it alive in who we actually are. It's been a while since I've preached. I just skipped a big area, but we're going to move on because we got other things to do today. Oh, my gosh. It would have been nice, but let me just go back and say, I've got to now, all right? I've got to. Now. <laughs> been four months, guys. Woo. All right. Um, yeah, we're all sinners. Does everybody agree with that? You know, I mean, Let's just get to the point here. We're all sinners. Does everybody agree that we're sinners and we're in need of Jesus Christ? Can I get a big amen, everybody together? All right. That'll save us some time here. I won't have to go back and redo this. Jeez, I'm moly. All right. By denying we are sinners, we are lying to ourselves, and we are lying to God. To move on in verse 9 here, we have a solution to this sin problem in our life. By being children of the light, our sins are exposed by the light of God. That's a blessing. We can look, we want to hide our sin because it's not good to wallow in it, right? We want to keep it from everybody because we don't want everybody to know that we're weak and we're tempted and, and we need help. But it's a good thing when, the, when the, the creator of the universe exposes this area of your life in which we need help because we can find forgiveness, we can find hope, we can find truth, we, we can be found right before a holy God because of Him exposing this darkness. And we got to do something about it. True believers want to glorify God by getting sin out of their lives. John is teaching us to ask for forgiveness by confessing our sins. But how many times do we ask for forgiveness in our lives? Maybe how many times a day do we ask for forgiveness? The better question is, how many times do we ask forgiveness for the same thing? This is a hard truth also. This is an area in which we must deal with these things. As believers, we want to be right with God. We, we're understanding in the Scripture we must ask for forgiveness. We must move in, in a way in which we want to be accepted by God. But the first thing is that we cannot overcome. We need to do some work. And this thing's called repentance. Mike Davis in our community group has, has talked about this on, on a several occasions about the importance of repentance. And I agree with him. I can stand here today and comfortably say to you that there is no salvation without repentance. And I can say that with a clear conscience in saying that Jesus, every single time when you read the four Gospels, every single time he's asked in some form of another, what must I do to be saved? He responds with two words. Believe and repent. Every time, except for one. And one time that he's asked, what must I do to be saved? He leaves out one word. And he only says, repent. Repentance is to turn 
from something to something. When we are going in a direction away from God, pursuing the, the, the pleasures of the world, when we're pursuing the, the, the sins in our lives, what we do is we end up going away from God because sin cannot be in the presence of God. To repent is to turn and say, I'm going back to God. Let me be transparent with you here for just a second in that I found that I was continually praying, asking God to forgive me for the same thing. It become a part of who I was. It become a common part of my prayer. God bless my family and forgive me for, and it was the same thing. I praise God that today I can stand here and say that the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I began to tearfully and groanfully search the Scriptures to figure out what does the Bible have to say about this particular sin? What is it that the Bible, what is it that Jesus offers? What is it that the Holy Spirit can do in my life to help me overcome this sin, to get it out of my life? Because I wanted to honestly stand before anyone who ever asked and say that I love God more than I love my sin. And it caused me to have to do some work. Searching the Scriptures, writing out my prayers, keeping journals of all the struggles, writing out, memorizing Scripture in order to put up those guardrails that whenever these certain things were coming in my life that was going to cause me to stumble and get off track, I could say, wait a minute, I know how to fix this because God has already spoken into me. And I was able to, to, to say somewhat control. Do not say I've, hear me say I've overcome this sin in my life. I took all of those notes and I put them in a folder and I set them right there by my desk. So that was the one thing I saw continuously. It has been several years since I've had that folder open. I do not need to open that folder because I know what's in that folder. I know the pain that I went through in order to, to create that folder. And it was a, a testament for me to say, I love God more than I love my sin, and I wanted it out of my life. This is what John's getting at here. If we confess our sins, we, we, we've got to do something about it. If it doesn't just go away, if it continues to show up, are we willing to do the work in order to get that sin out of our life? It was a joy on the other side. But it was so painful as I went through it. My wife can attest a number of times I'd come in just broken, exhausted. I can't do this anymore. And let me just say that after pastoring for 20 years, I still struggled. After pastoring for eight years is when I went into that. For 12 years, I'm able to say that I was able to put up those guardrails. But for eight years as a pastor, I dealt with that and refused to do anything about it. Don't be like me. Don't think that you're above it. We all need that help. We're going to move on here. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. John is pleading, Don't sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. You can help it. You don't have to fall into this. There is truth out there. There are people in your life that will help you if you will lean upon them. We all need help in several different ways. But if you do, we have an advocate 
the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Let me say here real quickly that the first two areas that we just hit require us to do something, right? Admit, confess that we're sinners, right? That's something on us. Repenting, it causes us to do the work. Regardless how hard it is, how long it takes you, you got to do the work, right? The first two are on us. We cannot do either one of those without Jesus Christ, the advocate or propitiation for our sins. Amen. I expected an amen on that. Come on, let me say it again. We can do the first two on our own, but the third one, we have to have Jesus in our life or the first two don't matter. And what we have to see is how Jesus is, is, is that person in which whenever we are sin, when the Spirit convicts us, we realize we are sinners. We cannot get over this all on our own. We need Christ. And Christ shows up as an advocate, as someone that is like a, a, a lawyer before the judge on our behalf. That's the definition of an advocate. Here's another word, propitiation. Now, I know that's a churchy word, right? And, and you know, sometimes we don't like to struggle in the Greek, right? But it is helosmos. Say that with me. Helosmos. All right? So you just learn a Greek word. It means propitiation. And what that means is that Christ willingly come to this earth in our place as a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of God. His holy and righteous anger towards sin was satisfied through Christ Jesus our Lord, the perfect sacrifice. He was our substitute for us. We can't do it, guys. You cannot be good enough. You cannot overcome and achieve holiness and righteousness without Jesus Christ. So many have tried. I myself have tried. Jesus is the only way. He is the only answer. To trust in Him as that. To believe that He was perfect. The only perfect living person on this earth. Dying in our place as our substitute. Believing in that and willing to confess those sins and repent and follow Him. That is the only way to salvation. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit more in just a second. But I was going to leave this last part of the verse off. But every commentary that I consorted about this message had something to say about it. So let me just real quickly hit what this is. Because I don't want to belittle the significance of it. But I don't think it needs a lot of time in order for us to finish up. He continues on in, in the rest of, of verse 2. And not for hours only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. I, I want to be clear in saying that he's not saying that everyone's going to be saved. Okay? If you believe that everyone's going to be saved, we have to wrestle with the text, such as like uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, where he says, Broad is the gate. And easy is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way and difficult is, is that way in which it leads to life and salvation. And very few are going to find it. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. That's a sad thing. We can rejoice and celebrate the fact that we get to be with Jesus the rest of our life. But it also should sadden our hearts. And the fact to know that there's somebody that's going to... Blake had, had preached a, 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 a few weeks back talking and giving the illustration of the number of people that are dying right now and going to hell. And I hope it breaks your heart. 
I hope that motivates you to get out and share the gospel with someone. Giving God the opportunity to reach in and change that life. We can't do it on our own, and we can't do it for somebody else, but we can offer them the hope, and that's sharing the gospel with them. But with that being said, what this verse means is that the blood that Jesus Christ shed by dying in our place on the cross is good enough for anyone who will believe and repent. Anyone, regardless of what your sin was, how big, how often, where you're from, with your background, all things against God are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ through belief and repentance. Sin is difficult to admit. It can be a thief that will rob your joy if you want to carry that sin with you by confessing our sins. Once they're revealed to us, we are freed from that burden of sin. We are freed from that burden of sin. That's a good thing. It's, e it's difficult to, to admit that we're sinners, but wouldn't it be easy to say that I'm no longer a sinner because I'm now a child of God? That's something to put on a resume, isn't it? Let me ask you, can you put on your resume, I'm a child of God? As we bring this portion of the service to a close here this morning, let me just say that if you've never made that decision, if you don't know for sure that you've ever made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me just say it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. The most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life is making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Now, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He did sacrifice Himself as the perfect sacrifice for your sins, and you're willing to right now follow Him, and you've never made that decision, I ask you to turn to your left, turn to your right, find someone and say, I want that. And that person sitting to your left or your right is going to do you the biggest favor ever. They're going to take you to a staff member here at this church. And they're going to gladly walk you through the text. Answer any question that you may have about salvation. Because it's that important. That's one way in which we're calling you to respond today. Can you write Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior on your resume? As the band makes their way back up to close out this service, I want to give you the second way in which we can, we're asking you to respond if you have made a profession of faith through baptism, like what we saw today, if you're a baptized believer, we're going to ask you to partake in communion with us corporately. We're going to have you stand where you're at, make your ways to the outside wall, get the bread and juice, and come back to your seat. But let me leave you with this. Do you realize what your sin cost Christ when he went to the cross? And as you make your way to the bread and the juice to take the communion, is there an unconfessed sin that you have not trusted God with today? Is there something you need help with in repenting? If so, will you go before the Lord and trust Him? 
And as we close out, my last thing I want to leave you with is this. I need you to hear me. Will you take your sin as serious as Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross to die for it? Heavenly Father, we do love you. We do thank you. We do praise you. And we pray that if there's one that needs to be in a relationship with you, may you receive the glory because of what it is you're doing. May you receive the glory and may you move with your spirit in their life, directing them in the direction that they need to go. And may you, Heavenly Father, accomplish your will for them. And as we move to corporately come together as one body, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, may we remember what it cost you. And may we, Heavenly Father, take it serious. And Lord God, we trust that as we continue to walk each day for you, that we will whisper your name with each step, and that you will receive the glory for it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, We hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in and experience Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.